Are you aware the model for the first world government was conceived by darkness in the Tower of Babel? The very first initiative they took in their mission was in direct defiance to the instructions given to man found in Genesis 1 and 9, which were identical commands from God for both before and after the flood. The strategy employed by the Lord to countermove Satan's objectives with the creation of multiple languages remains an enormous deterrent some 4,000 years later. Join us now as we unravel the table of nations as it joins the mission of Yahweh, which will ultimately checkmate the agenda of the soon-coming one-world government. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Good day, everyone. Hi, this is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, I'd like to thank you for joining. Today, we're going to be talking about the Tower of Babel and, and what I believe is the ultimate globalist agenda, which will be to remove God. And when I say the globalist, I'm talking about what will ultimately be a one world government. Um, and, you know, for those who may or may not believe it, you know, this is what the Bible has laid out that will be in the end times. And I think the signs are overwhelmingly pointing in that direction. Uh, and, and I wanted to look at the Tower of Babel because I believe so much of the foundations of what we see in terms of getting away or moving away from God uh, can be seen or can be found or traced back to uh, the book of Genesis in chapter 11, which is about the Tower of Babel. It's, it's a very short chapter, uh, but it's pretty rich and, it's, it, and it speaks volumes. And we're going to be unpacking a lot of it there, including a lot of the history and some of the culture back then, and ultimately how we can see those things today that are incorporated, including uh, God's reaction to the Tower of Babel that, that we'll see plays a, a monumental piece in, in deterring or slowing down or degrading the move towards a one-world government. Um, you know, I'd I, I just like to ask you, if you don't mind, if you could hit the like or subscribe button, and well, I should say, I'm sorry, the like and subscribe button, uh, and, and ring that bell if you're on the, uh, the various platforms. I know YouTube has that. Uh, it, it really helps us get the information out. And why subscribe? We're, we're just trying to alert you when new topics come out. And hopefully we're presenting information that you find relevant because, as always, we're trying to get to the truth. And in doing so, we look at things from different angles, not only uh, in the Word of God, but we're looking at historical uh, evidence and, and archaeological evidence. And, you know, we, we, in, in this particular topic, we're, we're going to be uh, delving down both of those roads. Uh, so, again, if you wouldn't mind, or, and please, please jump on our website, russicoutlook.com, and join our email list. Um, I'd like to read you a quote from Paul Henry Spack, which I believe speaks volumes today, and this goes back to the 1950s. He was the first president of the European Parliament, and he said, we do not need another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of this economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man and be he God or devil, we will receive him. So, you know, right away, it, it speaks to the, the difficulty of moving 
different groups, different people groups, different nations, different cultures, different languages, and moving them all in the right direction because they bring uh, their own unique set of circumstances, problems, uh, positive aspects. It's, it's very, very difficult to move people in one direction when, you're, when you think about all of the different cultures uh, and the histories that are involved and the, the, um, the power game that goes on because a lot of these nations are gunning for the top. They want to be the top dog or they want a seat at the table or they want to be at the head of the table. Uh, you know, no, no surprise there. So this is really what I want to investigate. I wanted to unravel uh, because I think not only in, in terms of a move towards a global government, but also in culture, we are seeing things that are, are so prevalent today that can be traced back literally to the book of Genesis in chapter 11. Uh, because this is, we're going to be covering not only uh, um, you know, th- this aspect of, of a globalist agenda, but we're also going to drill down to the individual. We're going to drill down to the person who's trying to push away from God. So this is going to be uh, a, a two-part series. And interestingly enough, we're just coming off of a, a series on the flood and the Nephilim. And, and I haven't forgotten you people there. There's been a lot of comments I've received and emails, and, and thank you for a lot of the encouragement. We're also going to uh, see some history about the Nephilim playing a role in this as well. So uh, I, I, I think you're going to be a little bit surprised. Um, there are some things that while I was studying this, I uncovered and, and left me thinking, whoa, I didn't see that before. So hopefully you're in that uh in, in that ballpark with me. So on that note, I'd like to, uh, you know, move, move on from here and, and really unpack the, uh, the Tower of Babel. So I'd like to begin with instructions that were given from God directly to man before the flood, after the flood, and what the response was in the Tower of Babel, which comes right after the flood. Um, so before the flood, uh, I'm reading Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and I'm highlighting verse 28. Um, and then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So he's telling, go ahead, spread out, go ahead throughout the earth and, and, and fulfill it. This is, this is before the fall of man. This is before the sin of Adam. We all know about the sin of Adam and the fall so, and, and the flood, and we've covered that in the past few broadcasts. So let me bring you to God's instructions uh, in Genesis 9, verse 1, after the flood. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So the same thing, fill the earth. Go out, you know, go 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 out and 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 you know, take dominion um, and and be fruitful, have children, and 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 spread your wings, so to speak. So what was the response in Genesis chapter eleven? I'm going to read the first four um, verses here with an emphasis on verse four because this was the ultimate response after the flood. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. 
They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. This is what I want to concentrate on here. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So clearly they understood God's instructions. They, they were aware of it. And they're saying, let's get, all get together. Let's build this tower. Let's go to the heavens. Let's, let's ascend up on high because we know what God wants us to do. And that's not where we want to be because ultimately this, I believe, is the, the influence of evil because it, it's, it's a war with God. You know, literally Satan is at war w- with Jesus Christ. And, and this is an ongoing battle that we know what the end will bring. But this was their response. And, and this was man's response with it. So they, they built this thing. And, you know, I, I will say, and, and I'm going to be covering a lot of this in, in, this, in the second broadcast um, you know, people kind of make fun of or don't think it's real. Let me just tell you, there's an immense amount of uh, architectural, I'm sorry, archaeological uh, evidence to, to bear this out. We, you know, we, we, we have a lot of this, but this was very sophisticated construction, and we'll be getting into that, and immensely tall. Uh, it's it's going to blow you away when we get to the second broadcast how big this thing actually got to, uh, because it dwarfs the tallest buildings in the world today. Uh, so let me let me keep this going. So I'm going to read the whole chapter now. It's only nine verses. And if you're watching on video, you see uh, um, the, 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 uh, the, the title here is Come, Let Us Make a Name for Ourselves. And nothing about God, nothing about uh, the, our man's reliance upon, upon him. Let us make a name for ourselves. So I'm going to read the whole Um, uh, chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Now, let me just preface this by saying this is coming off of the ark. These are numerous generations afterwards. I will say that there are some who believe it's it's all one language and some will say that depending upon where they were, but I believe it is it is all one language, uh, just just as the Bible laid it out. Uh, Meaning that they, some some uh, theologians believe there might have been a couple of different languages, but the ones involved in this had one language. Um, and let me continue in verse 2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain, a plain in the land of Shinar. That plain is going to become important too because it's going to be wide enough to lay the foundation and they dwelt there. And let me just say as they journeyed from the east, uh, we know that eventually they're coming from Mount Ararat because that's where the ark landed. And interestingly enough, the land of Shinar, uh, if, if you look due east, that there is where you'll find Mount Ararat in Turkey. Jumping to verse 3, Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar. So this is what I'm talking about, very sophisticated construction techniques that you'll see, and it was prevalent throughout that whole region as these archaeological uh, discoveries have found. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the face of the earth, over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. 
That is what they begin, and, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So, interestingly enough, here they're trying to get to, to the heavens. They're trying to get to God and overtake God ultimately. But what happens? The Lord comes right down. And I believe, and you know, there's nothing that can bear this out specifically. Um, but this is the Lord. This is one of, part of the Trinity. And I would suggest that this was Jesus coming down to the earth and, and seeing this. And uh, uh, from here we go now to verse 7. And if you're following me on video, I've highlighted this, this, these next few words. Come, let us go down and confuse their language. So it went from singular in verse 5 to plural in verse 7. So that's where I believe you have uh, God's counsel of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So come, let us go down, confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there, from over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused their language over the earth. From there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So he's given them different languages. He's basically confounded their, their plans, because ultimately their plan was, was in violation, was direct disobedience to what the Lord had instructed. And in doing so, he gave them numerous languages. And, and you'll see, I believe to this day, that is one of the biggest hindrances to moving forward. And and we all know that you know Babel is you know when you when you use that word you're you know you're speaking Babel and you know that that's where its origin is from. So if you're following me on video, I'm showing you different images of translation. So these are people who potentially could be in the United Nations, European Union, different councils. You know, it really doesn't matter. Um, but they have headphones on because the, the whoever is speaking. There's somebody who is assigned to translate that into that person's native language and then convey that message. And this is what I'm saying today, that I believe language translation is one of the biggest hindrances to ultimately forming a one world government. Because getting people from different countries, and, and I'll just say myself, you know, for, for my vocation, I, I am an engineer by trade, and a lot of times I have to work with different groups or different departments, and I have to communicate to them, uh, you know, what we're, we're, what we're going to be doing, and my language might be a little bit differently in speaking to them. I'm breaking it down into what I'll call layman's terms so that they can understand it, and it's, it's, it's important because it doesn't matter how much information I know, it's what... The, the, the people and everybody who's gathered in order for everybody to move in one direction, we all must be speaking the same language. So that's, that's, that's difficult at times, and, and oftentimes you may say something in a certain language and that translation does not necessarily carry through. So if you think about all of the different languages and translations and cultures and backgrounds and histories and, and egos, it's very, very, very difficult to keeping people moving in, in one direction, but that is ultimately what, what is at stake, and we will see as we go through this that that is the end game of the Tower of Babel, is to basically confuse people and, and to kind of lull them to sleep so that they're all moving into one direction. It's a game of deception, and, and I believe... You know, you see a lot of that today where the media, you know, puts out the headlines, the politicians and, and the different leaders of different governments and companies and corporations are now so big that they have more power than a lot of uh, countries. There's, you know, uh, I'm coming from the United States. You've got 
tech companies that have a larger GDP than most, uh, or their, I'm sorry, their, their gross sales or their gross income is uh, much larger than GDP of most nations. You know, some of the, some of the bigger tech giants that, that you would know from Silicon Valley and so forth. Uh, but anyway, what I'm getting at is there's power in government, there's power in corporations, there's power in business, the banking industries, but there's still that challenge of getting everybody moving in the same direction, and language is a big hindrance to it. And I believe that this is my own personal opinion that, you know, obviously God knew what he was doing when he said, we'll give them different languages. So I wanted to <clears throat> just point to you, give you a little bit of a, a topographical uh, outline or geographical uh, outline for where the land of Shinar is. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in the top left, I give you Mount Ararat, where the Ark would have been uh, uh, um, e eventually landed. And if you look to the right of that, it's Babylon and Babel, uh, and, and you see the, the cone of, of light coming down. And then they would be scattered eventually, and they would go into those different directions. So I just wanted to give you uh, a, a little bit of an idea from um, a map's perspective. This ultimately, what we're talking about is the land of Mesopotamia, the, what's called the Fertile Crescent. Uh, and so I've given you some images below and, and just where that is. And this is mainly what we're talking about is modern-day Iraq, uh, specifically when we're talking about the Tower of Babel and Babylon and Babylonia and in that area, the Babylonian Empire. But then, you know, that obviously uh, spread out to, to other areas as well. So you see that from uh, going into Syria and Lebanon and, and Israel and, and Egypt. And uh, just below the Fertile Crescent is the land of, of Saudi Arabia and Jordan. So I just I, I like to give you kind of a, a, an, an idea what we're talking about, what we're reading from Scripture, where physically this was. And then, you know, a side note, I would say, if you're looking on the lower right, uh, the land of Ur, uh, which is just below where you see Sumer, that is where uh, Abraham would eventually get his marching orders to go from there. And so what we're talking about is just before the call to Abraham. So this is before Abraham, but Abraham's life is, or, or birth and his his mission and his calling is right around the corner right after this. So I like to say that Genesis 10 is, as, is known as the Table of Nations, and I say, who needs Ancestry.com when we have the Table of Nations? And by that I mean, ultimately, if you believe the Bible, uh, we are all descendants uh, of Noah and ultimately uh, leading up to Adam and at some point in a, in a future broadcast, I'm going to show you the unquestionable, undeniable population numbers, how that breaks down, and that we can actually be traced back that far. But uh, what we'll see in, in the table of nations, and I'll, I'll break this down in the next slide, you'll see a, a, a graph, which uh, breaks it into the three sons of Noah, because as we know, Noah, Noah's sons were on the ark, and they are Japheth, Shem, and Ham. And if you look on this, which uh, breaks it into the three sons of Noah, because as we know, Noah, Noah's sons were on the ark, and they are Japheth, Shem, and Ham. And if you look on this map, I'm giving you kind of a, a, a topographical or a landscape. Um, and, and, and if you're not following it, if you're one of our podcast listeners, um, the land of Shem would be a, a lot of what... Uh, 
uh, of what we're what we've been covering here, and that ultimately is um, uh, under the, the the blessing in in Israel and the surrounding areas of the Persian Gulf, north of the Persian Gulf, uh, into Iraq, into uh, parts of Iran, and then uh, right above that, heading towards Europe, uh, would be Japheth, and then your origins could be traced there. So as myself, a North American. Uh, if I if I'm going to believe this and I do, then my origins would be coming from JPEth. And then if you're talking about Northern Africa and Africa and that continent, uh, that is Ham, and and that's where a lot of your origin will be coming from. Um, and that's where we're going to be breaking this down. We're we're ultimately going to be talking about the lineage uh, that leads that leads from Ham is who is responsible for. Uh, the Tower of Babel, and ultimately, uh, what is a gentleman? I was going to say a gentleman. I don't know that he was a gentleman, but he was a man. I believe he was a man. He was clearly heavily uh, influenced by by Satan.